Welcome to Mutterings from a Bald Guy podcast. My name is Chet, your host. You will find sermons and teachings that put Scripture in its rightful place of authority on this podcast. If you like this episode or any, could you tap five stars and leave me a review? When you tap those stars and leave a review, that significantly helps me spread more salt in a morally decaying world. Hey, let's bring life to the dead together. And all God's people shout it. Amen. Amen. I was sitting in the back, and I can actually hear you guys singing in the back, so that is a blessing. That is a blessing. One thing I forgot to mention that I need to mention, because many of you have been visiting and possibly visiting for a while, we're having another, another Discover BBC class. If you look in the bulletin, it's the last Sunday of this month. Um, it's going to be here at the church, 1145. Child care will be provided if need be, so let me know if you need child care provided, and also lunch will be provided. And what that class is, is basically just let you know what we're about, what we believe as a church. Um, if you have any questions about how to move forward with salvation, baptism, membership, um, if you just want to say, hey, I got five questions about your theology, this is the place to come. And we, we have a, what you would call like a fireside chat, okay? It's a question and answers. It's very laid back. Uh, so make plans for that. If, if you'd like to, make sure you let me know as well so I can make plans for you to come. Well, I tell you, friends, five days, five days until revival, I'm excited. I, I will tell you this, and I know it, it may take a while for you to actually believe me, but when I say you don't want to miss Pastor Steve Fulmer, I mean you don't want to miss Pastor Steve Fulmer. Um, he is a, a man of God that I admire and that I honor. He's the man that I accepted Christ under, the man that I went through with baptism under, the man that has discipled me in the ministry, the man that has really sacrificially given to me and my family, and he is one of the main reasons that we are here today. And so he is very dear to my heart, and I would not be inviting him to come preach if I did not believe that he had a message for us at this point in time in our church. So please make sure you're here for that. 365 days in a year. We only have 365 days in a year, and I'm asking you to come for three. I'm asking you to come for three. Don't miss out on the blessing by just showing up one night. That's not how revivals work. You guys have been going to revivals much longer than I have. Come every night. I promise you will be blessed. Come to hear from the Lord and experience a time of refreshing. I would like to start off with a true story. I'm going to tell you what the main point of this passage is, and then I'm going to prove it to you in the scripture, and we're going to walk through it together. Renee said, I was nearly 16 weeks into pregnancy when my water broke. The doctor prescribed bed rest and instructed me to go to the emergency room when the miscarriage began. I stayed in bed for two weeks praying for a miracle, but it was clear the pregnancy was slowly coming to an end. The miscarriage was partially complete before we left for the hospital. The seasoned DR doctor who saw us mumbled to a nurse to get the fetal heart monitor on me and then dashed off to the next patient. The nurse returned with the monitor and began searching my abdomen for signs of life. Renee goes on to say, she tried from every angle until the monitor was as low as it would go. Nothing. Then suddenly, there was an unmistakable sound of a tiny heartbeat. I stared at my husband in disbelief. How much longer could the baby survive if there was no fluid in the sack? 
The nurse hastily examined what I had lost at home, massive blood clots, she said, and quickly went and searched for the doctor. Of course, my husband and I remained silent, not sure whether or not to be hopeful. An obstetrician declared after his examination that we have a live baby who needed to be saved. He checked me into the hospital. The next day, an ultrasound revealed perfect uterine conditions. I had plenty of fluid, a well-placed placenta, and an active 18-week-old baby. My doctor tried unsuccessfully to explain how several fist-sized blood clots could have escaped the sac along with large amounts of fluid and yet keep the pregnancy intact. I went home from the hospital on Mother's Day. Then on October 21st, my husband and I made another midnight run to the hospital, getting there just in time for a full-term son's marvelous birth. We named him Josiah, which means Jehovah heals. See, just like that ER nurse searched the abdomen of Renee and found Josiah, God searches our hearts and executes his perfect plan. That's the main point of this passage. What we're going to see today is that God searches your heart. And while he's searching his heart, his perfect plan for you will prevail. Acts chapter 1, verses 15 through 26. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. And I want to pause here because I know many of you have had questions about this. Some of you may be wondering, well, why does your Bible say sisters and mine says bro brothers and sisters? Well, your Bible probably more than likely says brethren, which is most of the older translations. What we see in this particular text, I use the Christian standard Bible. What we see in this particular text is the word for man is adelphoi, which can be literally translated them in reference to men and women. There are some places in the scripture where it's just brothers because it's adelphos, which means masculine for men. But adelphoi is plural. It's them. It's brothers and sisters or men and women. So I wanted to make sure you understood before we got into the text why that was there because I didn't want any of you to get hung up on that and not listen to the message this morning. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of people who were together was about 120 and said, Brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of David, foretold about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. He fell headfirst, his body burst open, and his intestines spilled out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem so that in their own language, that field is called Hakadema, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it, and let someone else take his position. Verse 21, therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time, the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, from among these... It is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two. Joseph called Borsabbas, and who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, you, Lord, know everyone's hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in the apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. The first point, God is in control even when humans rebel and commit 
apostasy. We're going to look at that word apostasy because some of us may be thinking, what? What is apostasy, right? That's a very big churchy word. I'm not sure I'm even comfortable saying that word because it sounds like I may go to hell and be a blasphemous believer if I say apostasy, right? Well, let's look at it a little closely so we can understand what apostasy is. But first, I want to point out something about Peter. Peter is clearly the leader and the preacher here. If you remember in the gospel accounts, Jesus actually prayed that Peter would be strong to lead his people. And so we're already beginning to see the spirit manifest himself in his disciples the way that Jesus had promised. Peter said it was necessary for the scripture to be fulfilled. This literally means there was no other way. There was no other way. It had to happen because the Lord Yahweh, God himself, said it. When God says something, when God makes a promise, when God makes a declaration, when God calls his people to covenant, God means what he says. And he does what he says he's going to do. So Peter remembered, recited, and reinterpreted the Psalms. The Holy Spirit spoke through him. Let's look at these Psalms that he interpreted. The first one is Psalm 69, 25. Make their fortification desolate. May no one live in their tents. The next one is Psalm 109.8. Let his days be few. Let another take over his position. This is what we know. Jesus was not wrong in choosing Judas. Jesus chose Judas because God's plan was for Jesus to go to the cross as a perfect sacrifice. So that way our sins can be forgiven. So Judas, in fact, was fulfilling the will of God. And Judas, in fact, had a decision to disobey God. I know it just blows your mind, right? Well, preacher, how can you say God is sovereign and he used Judas in this way? But in the same, re- the same respect, Judas had a decision. Exactly. That's God. And that's part of his mysterious way that we have to take a step of faith in and believe. But let's continue. Judas committed apostasy by his own decision. Apostasy is a public denial of a belief and a distancing from that belief community. What did Judas do? He denied Christ. He gave Christ over to the authorities. And then he distanced himself away from his community, from the disciples, from the believers. So it's a public denial. It's a public running away from. Just in case we need more examples, I want to show you a few. These examples in the scriptures when apostasy is committed, okay? The first one is when someone sacrifices to another god and not the Lord Yahweh in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, when entire cities did this and they were guilty of apostasy, the inhabitants of that city were killed and the city was burned. Incitement to apostasy is also punishable by death. You guys remember Moses in the wilderness with Aaron and the golden calf? But we also see God forgive apostasy after he killed the apostates. Judas received divine retribution for his apostasy, and so will we if we deny our Savior, Jesus. It's a grave mistake for us to take the Lord lightly. It's a grave mistake for us to think his word isn't 100% true. It's a grave mistake to think that you won't suffer consequences like Judas if you deny him. Apostasy is when you deny God and his salvation. Apostasy is choosing to run away from God and him abandon his embrace. 
See, we have to grapple with the tension in this text because this isn't, this isn't really a message that you preach to people so they can feel good and love you. This is a message straight from the Lord's mouth and his word and his revealed communication to us. That's the truth. Apostasy is a grave mistake that, we, that I would argue many of us in America are making right now. I would even argue many in the church are making right now. We run away from the Jesus of the Bible to formulate a Jesus of the world that sounds good and feels good. That's denying the true Christ, the true resurrected King. I want you to be warned and I want you to be spurred on this morning. I want you to be sure of the Lord's presence in your heart. Don't abandon the Lord. Don't run away. Don't deny his presence, plan, and purpose in your life. Stay faithful. Run the course. Even when it's hard, stay faithful. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, friend. Don't ignore him. Don't ignore him. Come to the Lord today and acknowledge him. Acknowledge his might. Acknowledge his splendor. Acknowledge him as creator. Acknowledge his salvation over your life. Do this with joy and expectation. The Lord God is creator. The Lord God is the one that's given us salvation, that has redeemed us. We get to come and sing praises about his Holy Spirit, about his promises, and we get to sing those with confidence and boldness because of what Jesus did for us. Praise God for that truth. The second point we see is God is in control and has the answer before we ask. God is in control and has the answer before we ask. Look at verses 21 through 26. Therefore, now watch out now. It's a conjunction. You better be ready. There's something good coming. From among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, from among these it is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two. Joseph called Bersabbas, who is also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, you, Lord, know everyone's hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen. And of course, the Lord showed them through casting of lots. We know that the heart of the disciples was to choose someone who was a witness of Jesus and his resurrection. Why do you think the disciples wanted to do that? Well, because one of their own brothers abandoned the Lord, and they wanted to make sure the person they chose was the right one. They wanted to make sure that the person they called, it's like any church that calls a pastor. They go through months and months and months, sometimes years of vetting and making sure and praying and talking and, and, and all that to make sure that they get the man that God has appointed. And that's exactly what the disciples are doing. They're like, we're not making another mistake. We're going to make sure this is the Lord's man here. But look at that first word, therefore. What kind of conjunction is that? What kind of conjunction is therefore in the passage? Correct. Which, in other words, we could say coordinating conjunction. It's coordinating conjunction in reference to the passage before. In the scripture, this is what is important in the scripture. And I love this. I learned this very early on. When you're reading the scripture and you see a coordinating conjunction, but therefore, um, as what you see is that there's a second part to what the author is trying to convey, and it's an important part. 
And so what Peter said before is setting up for what he's saying after, okay? So it's important to remember that. Now think about this for a minute. Let's bank on this. If you were in the disciples' shoes, you'd be doing the same thing. Now we're entering into the main thrust. Listen, before the disciples cast the lots, they prayed. They united in prayer again for God to reveal his will, and he did. He did. It's written in the Pilgrim's Progress, quote, Prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice to God, and a scourge to Satan. Let me read that again. Prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice to God, and a scourge to Satan. They believed God already chose someone for that position before they casted the lots. When the disciples said, Jesus knows everyone's hearts, they attest to having, ha, him having the characteristics of God. Check this out. Psalm 9411, the Lord knows the thoughts of mankind. They are futile. Psalm 139, 2, you know when I sit down, you know when I stand up, you understand my thoughts from far away. Acts 15, 8, and God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he also did to us. God searches hearts. God searches your heart. God knows your intentions. He knows the inner workings of your mind. He knows your temptations. He knows what you're faced against. And God's wondering, are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be faithful? How many of you guys have been through a time of testing before? How many of you guys survived? <laughs> Maybe a couple of us like, I'm still going through it, preacher. <laughs> Deliver me, right? What is he finding in your heart today? Some of us, I used to live this way where even as a believer early on, I lived in a way that showed I didn't truly believe the Lord was watching my every step. Or I said things or I did things behind closed doors that was not holy, that was against his will, against his perfect design for my life. And I thought, oh, the Lord is gracious. He'll forgive me. And thank God he did. What we have to know is that whatever we're thinking, whatever we're doing, the Lord is searching our hearts to find where our true intention lies. My hope today is that I won't step on your toes, that I'll stomp on your heart. That's my hope today. I want us to seriously ask ourselves that question. What is the Lord finding in my heart this morning? Let's pray as we enter the Lord's invitation. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your wondrous works of creation. Father, as we come before you, we acknowledge that you're the one we pray to, that you're the one we seek, that you're the one who holds your perfect plan in motion. You're the one who gives life. You're the one who sustains life. And Father, we just ask you right now that you would search our hearts, Father. If, if there's anything inside of us in our hearts that we need to turn away from and trust in you, Father, I pray that we would do that right now. And Father, for the next three and a half to four minutes of this message, I pray that our hearts and our minds are in tune with what you're going to say. Let us be people willing to step up and step out. Let us be people willing to be bold and confident in you and your plan.
Let us be willing to trust that your plan will prevail and that we would open up our hearts willingly and say, Lord, search it. And I'm willing to repent. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to do any action that you call me to do. It's in your name I pray. Amen. We moved here. I know I'm going to make y'all go crazy with the camera. Don't worry about it. We moved here in February of 2019. And to say that it was a culture shock is an understatement. As it would be if any of you moved where we're from. Because people would be throwing shrimp at y'all and crawfish all the time. For 28 months while I was here, I was struggling. Now, I'm going to be honest and transparent with y'all this morning because I love you. And I want you to know where I'm coming from this morning. For 28 months, I struggled with God's call in my life. I struggled with where he was sending me, what he was having me to do. And I did my best to repent where I was wrong, love to the best of my ability. But I found myself coming up short. Lord, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you moving? Why am I not changing, Lord? Why am I here? The Lord began to do something in the summer of last year. He started showing his marvelous works in only ways I, I can explain as him. He started revealing himself to us in very sweet, tangible ways through you, through the community, through his word, through prayer. And I remember one night, one night I just said, I have a resolve, Lord, and I'm going to call it out right now. Lord, I give my life to my family and your bride, BBC. The next Sunday, the fire of God began to fall. He started doing things. People started coming up to me saying, hey, look, the Lord worked on me this way. Hey, look, this mended relationship came through. Hey, look what happened at my job. Look what happened with my friendship. Look what's going on with my family and my kids. And God just began to move amongst us. I didn't do that. There's, trust me, I am a weak, weak vessel. I am but a feeble man standing before you every Sunday who doesn't have the power to do anything other than say what the Lord wants me to say. Those first 28 months, let me explain it to you this way. And this is, any pastor would say this, and if you're a leader out in your field of work or a leader in your family, you'll understand this. Imagine this with me for a minute. I'm in a vehicle. I'm in a really nice limousine. I have the keys in the ignition. I have my phone GPS on that looks something like this. And God has given me the destination. He said, Chet, this is the promised land. This is the milk and honey. This is where I want you to take these people. And I found myself for 28 months knowing where the destination is, in the driver's seat, campaigning, asking, begging for you to follow me. And I look around, and there wasn't many people coming in the car. You know what the, is the magnificent thing about this car? God stretches it as you get closer to the glory land. And more and more people come. 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 But you know what God began to do these last seven or eight months? He's began filling up that car. And he's began heading us in the same direction, the same vision, the same mission. And he's began working on our hearts, and it's been hard. It's been hard. But you know what? I look around I'm in the driver's seat now. I look around, and I think, man, this car is getting full, and it's so exciting, right? I just anticipate Sunday morning because the Lord just continues to work and move in ways that I can't explain. 
But I know this, he's calling every one of you to get in that car and head to his glory land where he is located. He knows what's best for us. He knows. So I asked you this morning, when the Lord is searching your heart right now, what is he finding? What do we need to say, Lord, I give it up, I let it go. And he's asking you to get in that stretch limousine that keeps on stretching. Praise the Lord for it, right? Limousines are nice. Let's go. Let's get in. Let's head to that place, the Lord. The Lord wants this building to explode. By the way, these walls, it's just a church. The church is you. The church is the people, the hearts and the minds and the DNA and the molecular structure that God so graciously made. It's you. This is but a tool. This thing's going to burn. This thing's going to burn. This whole building's going to burn. You're the church. Can we get that this morning? Let's get that. Let's get, let's get in that limousine. Let's get in that stretch limousine and head to the glory land together. As a matter of fact, let's pick up the cruise control. We've been going at 40. We need to go 70. I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, Becky's going to come up and she's going to play. And I'm going to have invitation a little differently. You are more than welcome to come up. I'll be standing right here. If it's a decision you need to make, if the Holy Spirit's been nudging at your heart. But I'm going to ask you during invitation today that you would sit and close your eyes and ask yourself that question. Lord, what are you finding in my heart? And what do you want me to do about it? What are you finding in my heart? And what do you want me to do about it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace and your love and your compassion. Thank you for who you are, Father. Thank you that there are many of us who grapple with the tension of what you're doing in our life. And I praise you for being faithful. I praise you for the many testimonies that I've heard here from people texting me and emailing me and calling me about what God's doing in their life. And Father, we just give you the praise and glory that you deserve for that. We thank you that you're faithful. We thank you that your promises are true. And Father, this, this next part of invitation, may we ask ourselves this question. What are you finding in our heart? And what do you want us to do about it? It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.